You're listening to the Better Man Podcast, becoming life-giving men together. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Better Man Podcast. My name is Adam Tarno. Today on the podcast, we've got a dear friend of mine, David Leventhal. One of the first questions I ask him is for him to talk about uh, what he does. But David and I have been friends for a long time. He is one of my favorite Bible teachers. He studies God's Word like really nobody I ever have met. Um, and so you'll get to hear some of his amazing insight as we go through that. Uh, he and I met through uh, being a part of the same local church. He served as an elder there for a while, was on staff there for a while. Uh, he's now in the marketplace uh, doing some other things, and he'll tell some of that story and that journey uh, in this episode. But today we're going to talk about suffering, which you know is not candidly the most exciting topic to talk about. Uh, I think David uh, had some incredibly insightful and helpful things about this because he's been through uh, a lot of it. And so, um, but one thing we need to to say here on the front end is when you take a topic like suffering, like we are going to talk about a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of this subject. Uh, there is so much to say about this subject. And so for some of you listening here today, you're going to get through this episode and go, yeah, that, that wasn't really helpful. That doesn't talk about my situation. And I just want to say, I, I get it, right? Like this is a very exhaustive topic. Uh, and I think David does a great job giving us some ways to think through it, some, uh, some challenging thoughts uh, as we try to journey through this life with Jesus uh, in the midst of a broken world where sometimes we suffer because of decisions we've made. And sometimes we suffer because of things that we're not really uh, our decisions, which candidly, some of those can be really, really difficult to go through. So anyway, I think you're going to find this conversation enlightening. You're going to find it helpful and you're going to really enjoy getting to know David. So with all that, enjoy my conversation with David Leventhal. Well, David Leventhal, welcome to the Better Man podcast. Um, two firsts today. <laughs> all right. So number one, I think this is, and maybe a listener can correct me. I think this is the first time we're going to talk about suffering. Yeah. Um, but the second first is I think this is the first guest that I've ever been to in my past. Uh, you and I have shared a meal at Bubba Gump's, and that's the first time with a oh guest where I can say the guest and I shared a meal at Bubba Gump's in Chicago over 20 years ago. Hey, wow, that's a... We, and you I, look shocked, and I'm a little hurt that well, you maybe I, don't remember I this. Remember, there's a lot that I don't remember <laughs> at this point in my life. I remember the Chicago trip. That was a conference we went to. That was. We went to that Willow Creek yeah, small yeah. group conference. Neither and, of us were on staff. We yeah. went with our with our local church. Yeah. And one of those nights, we went out to like the... Um, didn't we go to a Cubs game? Yeah, I think we did go right. to a We game. went to a Cub, yep. Cubs game, and I think we had some... You, know, you get your Chicago pizza, but I remember mm-hmm. one night, everybody going to Bubba Gump's, okay. and we were there... And you and Missy were there, and so. Oh, but young maybe, and dumb and... maybe, maybe this isn't true that we no. all went to Bubba Gump's. It's well, the only time I've been to Bubba Gump's. Like, who would go to Bubba Gump's other than like a tourist that yeah. goes to a town and can't find any other place to eat? Well, yeah, and with my memory, I'm more inclined to trust your memory of that event than I am yeah. my own memory. So, if you said it happened, then yeah, uh, thus well, say Adam and happened. I did. <laughs> I did. So, but no, we have been friends. We have known each other. Uh, definitely over 20 years, I think. So I've been in, in the Dallas area since 2002. So I've been 21 years. So yeah, we met really that first few months mm-hmm. that I showed up here. And so you're a first time guest on the, on the Better Man podcast. So we appreciate you being here. How would you summarize your career and what you've done and uh, in your life since you graduated from college? How could you do that? Could you do that in two minutes or one minute? I probably could. It would leave a lot out, but that's okay. It's not I wouldn't say it's super exciting. So yeah, 
I bet if you added up all the years, I bet probably 20 years of my career has been, 18, 20 years has been in finance, um, specifically specialty finance and lending. Yep. Uh, most of that's been at an executive level. Um, I have a couple of stints in the nonprofit world, short stint in a church, um, and now I'm um, back in the corporate world in an operational role for a home services company. So yeah. call it like heavy. Um, so my skill set is like the operational side of business. Yep. So, you know, laying cement, making sure the vision gets executed. So that's good. That's that's probably the continuity of yeah. the last 25 years. That's right. You served as an elder mm-hmm. at, uh, at Watermark Community Church yep. when I was on staff there and a member there and still a member there. You are known as being the resident theologian. You've got the beard to go with it, um, all that kind of stuff. Where did the love of just God's Word and theology from like a an academic, I want to study it, where did that come from? Yeah, so I think uh, growing up, so I didn't come to faith really until co- early college. Yeah. But I grew up in a home where my parents uh, loved the Lord. Um, uh, my dad, uh, who passed away this past December, was an academician a PhD in systematic theology. Um, and so it was, it was a voracious reader, a voracious learner. And I remember both he and my mom, but I have a, I have a picture of my dad specifically that I, that was replayed thousands of times. I'd walk into his bedroom or his office and he'd be, um, he'd be, he'd have his Ryrie study Bible. He was okay. an ASB guy. Yeah. So a green hardback. He was always a hardback and he'd have a red felt tip pen. Okay. And, um, and he'd be just reading God's word and studying it. And then he'd be surrounded by books and commentaries. And and uh, and I remember him, like, uh, even if he wasn't interested, you're like, okay, that whatever's going on with the, that book, he clearly believes it's a, a big deal. And so I think I got, uh, I think I that developed in me an appreciation for God's Word, even before I valued God's Word. Hmm. Um, and then when the Lord got a hold of me, um, and I began to read, really study God's Word, uh, and I saw its transformative power in my, in my life and in the lives of just other college students I was walking with, uh, it became like, hey, I think this thing is really different than anything else. And then part of it is wiring. I'm a naturally curious person. Hmm. And so I, I I like the rabbit trails that don't end up in anything like earth shattering. Yeah. I, I enjoy the process of chasing them down. And, and uh, it's just the way my brain works. I don't think that has anything to do with like spirituality or maturity. I think it's just a wiring. Yeah. I'm yeah. Just, just personality, temperament person. stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, this is uh, this has been a lot. Well, not lifelong, but would you say like mid twenties when this really started for you? Yeah, I think the Lord got a hold of me when I was nineteen. Okay, and I'm almost fifty. And uh, um, so we're closing in on thirty years. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, you're going to hear some of that wisdom today. Uh, I know as we go through all this. So, the topic that we're going to talk about today is is suffering. And in you know, in preparation for today, the Better Man Podcast producer Aaron Rose he gave you a list of possible topics. Yeah. And this is the one you chose. So uh, why? why? Why are you interested in talking about that today? Well, when the couple of topics that came up, one of them was on, is it helpful to talk about God's word, which is like always helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is one I've spent a lot of time in the last, call it two, two and a half years, thinking a lot about. And so it's, it's a topic that's fresh in my mind. If you had caught me at a, in a different season where I would have been stewing on something different than this, I probably would have said, let's talk about uh, money, or let's talk about parenting, or let's talk about something else. But this yeah. is the this is the stew that I've been sitting in for a yeah. while, and so it's yeah. top of mind. And um, I don't know that anybody like ever enjoys talking about suffering. I don't mm-hmm. think it's the hey, this would be a fun topic to cover. But I do think it's relevant. I think it's real. I think it's omnipresent. I think everybody is either in the midst of some suffering, is yeah. seeing somebody else suffer, coming out of some suffering. I mean, it's it's the thing that you know one of the commonalities that humanity 
shares is suffering. Yeah, for sure. If I think about, you know, so I, I, my journey with Jesus at 21 years old, start to follow him. I remember very clearly, and I've told this story a few times on this podcast, but reading a book with a guy that was discipling me, a, a Chuck Swindoll book, mm-hmm. and uh, it was called Man to Man. I remember yeah. I still see that blue cover. And there was a chapter on suffering in there. And I remember going to that meeting with him, kind of uh, really depressed and flabbergasted going, nobody told me about this. Yeah. You know, ha- had I known about this, I don't know if I would have signed up for this whole Christianity thing, yeah. you know, which, which said more about where my view was of, uh, I felt like I did Jesus a favor by letting him into my life yeah. as opposed to me sure. understanding he did me a favor by allowing me to be a part of his story. But I, I don't think I was alone in a lot of that. And especially in American Christianity that would be very uncomfortable with this subject and, um, and think, well, hold on. That's why I'm following God is to try to reduce the amount of suffering uh, that I have. <laughs> yeah. Can I you identify with that? For sure. I think, you know, if you read the new Testament, like one of the bright, I mean, I mean, bright red lines that, that holds the new Testament together is the idea of suffering. If you were to do a, if you were to search sort of like words around suffering, so suffering, persecution, distress, affliction, trials, those kinds of words. If you search that in the New Testament, you're going to find something over like 115 usages of that, of those phrases in, in a relatively short number of books. And so it's all over your New Testament. And I think the reality is, is we, you know, we come to the Lord and we think that he's going to make our lives better, which of course he is. That's the whole point of the gospel. <laughs> but uh, the reality is, is when you come to know Christ, you realize you got problems you never knew you had. Mm. It's the, that's the Holy Spirit bringing a level of conviction into your life. That is you're going to suddenly walk in a way that's going to produce, according to at least my understanding of the Testament, is going to produce suffering um, at a persecution level. Um, anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, Paul says this in Second Timothy, will be persecuted. So it's like it's like a it's like a promise. Yeah. And yet, to your point, if I knew that going in, you know, I mean, I get the sins and eternal life and all that stuff, but. That doesn't seem, yeah. And yet, it's there. It's there, and um, and it's a real part of our faith. And and I think you know when you talk about suffering, I think you know the three big buckets of suffering. One of them is like is super intuitive to us, which is I when I touch a hot stove, I I I suffer the pain of that. Like right. it's the sowing and reaping. It's so when I do something dumb, which I do all the time, mm-hmm. and I suffer the consequences. I have a concept for that. I that doesn't surprise me. I'm not that doesn't rattle my faith. That doesn't cause me to question significant issues. But, but the other two kinds of suffering, other buckets would be like, you know, just living in a, in a post Genesis three world, a broken and fallen world. And so I get the shrapnel from other people and from the, the, the earth that Paul says is groaning to be released. And so there's that suffering that comes from just being a human and walking just, on this, yeah. on this, having your eyes open, yes. just even looking around. And, and yep. some of that is really significant yep. suffering. And then the third is like, I get, I, I, somebody lobs a grenade into my living room. I'm in there having dinner with my family, minding my own business. And, you know, somebody does something to me or, or treats me in a way or my wife or my kids in a way. And, and all of a sudden my world is ripped apart hmm. by the decisions and the actions of somebody else. Yeah. And it's those second, it's the last two of those that I think we struggle with the most in terms of how do I reconcile all the parts when, when this is my reality, when, yeah fill in the blank with whatever diagnosis, whatever disasters befall you, whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. So this year, um, I've been reading a lot of Ryan Holiday, who's kind of a, uh, you know, he, along with others, is bringing Stoic philosophy kind of back to the forefront mm-hmm. of popular culture and people reading and thinking about it. And so, for you know, to my great shame, it's the first time I've ever really thought about Stoic philosophy or read any of it. And yeah. 
Ryan's just did a, a good job of making it very accessible. Yeah. So his book, Obstacle is the Way, they talk a lot about obstacles, hardship, um, things are going to come into your life that are not going to be easy. It's not going to be the easy peasy, you know, kind of American dream. These are like real significant challenges that you're going to go through and have a very similar story uh, or promise with those, which is, hey, this is going to produce something in you that's good as you go through it. But I read those books and it's like obstacle, hardship, challenges. That feels one way. Mm-hmm. The word suffering seems to carry with it like ooh, like more. Yeah. Um, do you see some similarities between those two? Or do you think that what, what is talked about specifically, as you referenced in the New Testament, is different than just common everyday hardships and obstacles? So I think to be fair, much of the New Testament writing on suffering is surrounding persecution. So okay. Yeah. Just to make sure we're plugging no, into its proper context. Yeah. Most of what Paul speaks about and Peter speaks about and James speaks about is we suffer because we are living a life that is contra to anything the world offers. Hmm. The world hates you. Hang in there because it hated me too, Jesus would say. Yeah. And so um, most of us don't experience that because our lives don't look radical enough for anybody to be discouraged by our behavior. <laughs> yes. And, and nothing we did. We happen to have been born in a very small slice of human history right? in a, in a place that is, has been, and is increasingly becoming less so excited about our faith. Yeah. And I think generations to come, I mean, if this country even survives, yeah. probably a different podcast, but um, is going to experience persecution for the faith in ways that, I, that candidly I haven't. And we that haven't. Yep. Most of our brothers and sisters in the world throughout all of history since Christendom started have suffered. So that said, I, I do think that's real. And I do think the, the effects of living in a fallen world, um, you know, nothing is new under the sun. So the Christians in the first century suffered immensely under persecution and yeah. for their faith. And they had natural disasters like we do. And they had other people that would come in and do harm in their lives. And so yeah. we're experiencing in that respect, the same things they are. And so I, I do think there's commonality. Um, but when you're in it, when you're waist deep in quicksand and you don't know how long you're going to be in there or if you're even going to ever get out, yep. you know, it does take on a different flavor. Yeah. So in my journey, you know, I, I come to that book and, the guy that was discipling me was so kind, you know, to help me with that. And it was so great. Right? I, it was such a great learning. And then obviously now you just start living and you start to realize, okay, yeah, this life isn't all grins and giggles and, and everything is, is great. There's, there's hard things. In uh, walking with Jesus over the past 20 some odd years, I mean, some of the people that have taught me the most about suffering have been through some really, really difficult seasons, mm-hmm. right? And I'm, I'm thinking of three or four families right now that I've been able to watch front row that have taught me a, a ton uh, about this, that have helped me and my things that by comparison, which can be dangerous to do, are less less than what they've gone through. And so uh, their example has spurred me on when I've gone through my things, you know, that are, are by comparison less, but still hard. Uh, it's, it's been really helpful. So um, how comfortable would you be to share some of the things that you've gone through that have really kind of helped you learn about this? Yeah, I mean, so... You live life long enough and you get punched in the mouth by life. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the reality. Yeah. And so my wife and I, you know, we were coming up on 25 years in September of marriage. And we've been through seasons of miscarriages. And, and you know, her dad passed away unex- unexpectedly at sort of out of order. Right. Week, same week we had miscarriage. And so, mm. um, so you know, we've walked through some of those hardships and trials and, and suffering. Um, and then in you know, the last two years, it's just been, I would say two, two and a half years have been probably uh, for me have been the most difficult, I think, in my 30 years walking with Jesus in terms mm-hmm. of like 
trying to make sense of some things that I didn't expect that wounded me very, very deeply, like at a foundational level. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I don't know that getting into all the details is yeah. super helpful, but I do think that we've had tremendous loss, I would say, tremendous loss relationally. I think um, add to that my dad dying in December, who was one of my heroes. And so, mm. you, you know, you throw that in there as well. And it's just been a really difficult season. And it's been hard for Missy as well. It's been hard for our kids. You know, we've got seven kids. So uh, some of them are, you know, early 20s and teenagers, older teenagers. And so they're able yeah. to process and they, they can form their own opinions and, and they can be hurt from, and they have been hurt by some of the things we've walked through um, as, a, as a family. And so yeah. it's been, Missy and I have talked before. I was like, I think I think we're going to walk with a limp the rest of our lives. I think we'll still be able to function. Yeah. But this is going to be a, a thing that we'll carry with us, you know, until the Lord takes us home. Yeah. Hopefully. Or yeah. comes back hopefully sooner. Yeah, later. and our friendship, I can attest to that. I mean, you and I have had, uh, I think about our meal with Ryan Emerson, we were able to uh, laugh and have a good time, right, and talk, and it mm-hmm. wasn't. So, yeah, there may be a limp there, but it's uh, it's not that it's um, you're walking around with sackcloth and ashes and yeah. all that, you know. And there was a season where I would say I was. Yeah. Like, a season where I was, where I told uh, some buddies, I was like, my favorite part of the day is going to bed. Hmm. That's the highlight of my day. Yeah. I went through a season where that was the thing that I looked forward to the most, because I didn't have to talk to anybody. And I could put a done, I'm done for the day. Yeah. And at least I knew the next seven, six, seven, eight hours were going to be, um, uh, this was not going to be the thing that was going to be churning in my brain. Mm. And so I went through a season where I was having a very difficult time functioning in a way that I had for really my whole life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, good. So, I mean, this is a, a topic that is common to everybody's experience, obviously different different levels. Cause we've, you know, some people have gone through the extremes of the, um, you know, as you said, somebody made a decision that we didn't make and has taken a loved one from our life mm-hmm. to sicknesses, to just relational hardship, to, uh, all kind. I mean, we run the gamut. So everybody who's been alive for any period of time, if we're honest with ourselves have said, yes, we've been through some hardships, we've been through some suffering, but yet in the church, as we said, I mean, we've cranked out I don't even know how many um, dozens and dozens and dozens of episodes here on the Better Man podcast. And this is, I think, one of the first times we're really addressing this topic, which may be kind of an indication of where just the church in general is. There's not a lot of talk uh, about this or or it gets uh, a sermon or two a, a, a year. Yeah. you know, about this. Any thoughts? Like, what's your perspective on that? Like, why why do you think this is not addressed so frequently in the church? I think, to be fair, I think it is addressed, but I think it's addressed in a shallow level, and I don't think there's a grand conspiracy to not talk about it. Yeah. I think the reality is, as you dive into the topic, and as you really start analyzing scriptures and bouncing those scriptures up against personal experience, whether it's your own or what you're watching, you you end up, before you know it, you end up pretty far out in the water, and it's pretty deep, and it's pretty dark. Mm. And so, you know, we all love, you know, if 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 you're teaching and you've got 40 minutes, you know, you want to be able to put a bubble on that thing at the end and send people out encouraged and ready to cheer on. And, and uh, you know, the trumpet of Jesus is behind us. And here we go. Yeah. And the reality is, I think if, if you if we spend time in suffering, there's going to be places we go where there are no tidy answers. Mm. And and you have to acknowledge the reality that um, there's going to be some things that folks go through that they're going to go to the grave, that we're going to go to the grave, not having any real resolution to the, the questions. Yeah. None. And I don't think Scripture promises that, so that uh, doesn't necessarily negate anything in Scripture. Um, it speaks to our better home, and it speaks to a God that is 
so far above and beyond anything we could even begin to wrap our brain around. It, you just, you end up with like not neat answers. And it's just, it's a hard topic to deal with. And yeah. people don't, you don't feel warm and fuzzies yeah. when you're done. You feel like you've just swallowed a pill that you think, I think that's going to be good for me, but it scraped down my throat going down the whole way. And yeah. I'm hoping the Lord's going to use that sermon to, to do something in my life. Yeah. So, I mean, let, let's talk more about that. Like, where will we ever get answers? I mean, you said, that, hey, for some of these things, we may not get answers this side of heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think I know the answer to this, but let's talk about this personally. Did you have to get there on your own? Did, did, was that something where you finally just had to get to the point where you just said, okay, I don't know if I'm going to have an answer here as to why certain things have happened to me? Yeah. I mean, I think if you had asked me this question, call it four years ago, my guess is I would have said something to that effect, like, hey, there's going to be things in life that we won't know to get there. So I think I had a theoretical understanding of what that meant. And, yeah. I, and, and I think I would have told you I genuinely believe that we're going to have stuff that's going to cross that we won't get clarity on until the Lord calls us home. Or but we would have back. said that around things like the Trinity. Sure. Right. Like some, the, that's where I usually heard those things on like some of these deep things about yeah. God. Oh, we'll, we'll find out later. So I, I think it's for me, it's like taking it from the brain to a, like, okay, okay, I get it. Like mm. I'm, I've been searching for clarity um, and resolution to some of the things we've been walking through. And it's clear, at least as we see here today, that that hasn't happened. And I don't know how this, you know, fractional slice of the pie of humanity I don't know how the Lord's going to use that. And I may never know. And he doesn't, he doesn't probably, he doesn't tell me that he's going to tell me how he's going to use it. Right. And so I think I've just, I've had to come to the conclusion with this personal individually that I've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable Hmm. with not being able to put a bow on it. Yeah. You know, that the illustration that folks use that I think is, is like way overused, but it's overused because I think it's helpful is like, you know, your, your, the quilt illustration or Mm -hmm. the, the, uh, you're, you're, you're making something and the front looks amazing, but if you turn the quilt over, it's a disaster. Yeah. 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 And, um, like, I think that's a overused illustration, but I think it's, I think it makes sense. It's like, Hey, the Lord is doing something. I mean, I, I have to trust that he is. Um, I mean, that's, uh, those are the foundational blocks of my faith that God is good, that he loves us, that he's in control, that Jesus is who he says he was. And so if I believe all those things that I, that I came to a conviction when I wasn't in the middle of a swamp, when I was, when I was thinking clearly, and rationally, if, if those were the things I came to in a, in a clear mind, I need to go back to those. Hmm. So if those are true, and I think they still are true, yep. then I have to trust that I'm looking at the back of it and it looks janky and twisted and yeah. maligned and, and uh, it just looks awful. Yeah. It just looks awful. Yeah. And I don't think I'm going to get to see their side until I get to the other side. Yeah. And, and that's not giving up. No. If anything, it's... I don't think it's giving up at all. I think it's putting your perspective in its proper place. That's right. Which is like, I'm not God. I mean, I want to be. Right. I mean, I, I, of course I want to dictate what I do and when I do it. I don't want to <laughs> yeah. be accountable to anybody else. I want to do whatever I want to do when I want to do it. Yeah. I think that's the human condition. It's the pride. And so I think acknowledging that there were going to be, and this isn't going to be the only thing. You talk right. about the Trinity and there are some mysteries in our faith that, you know, you can't quite put on a spreadsheet and come out with a good clean number. Yeah. Like end. why are there snakes? Right. That's one of my top questions. Totally. Yeah. I mean, why are there snakes? <laughs> yeah. Was it an apple in the garden or a cherry? I mean, we need to know this. So, um, so I, I don't think it's give up at all. Right. But it doesn't feel like as long as you define not giving up as like being okay with not having the answer. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you, like, how have you and your wife taken this? Like, okay, we may walk with a limp for the rest of our life. 
Um, doesn't mean our life is going to be terrible. We're still going to laugh. We're still going to enjoy a good meal. We're still going to go on vacations, enjoy our kids and smile and watch TV every once in a while and all that kind of stuff. But has that improved or strengthened your relationship with God? Has it changed it? What, what has it done there? Yeah, specifically my re- with my relationship with the Lord, I think it's been, I think I've, I, I'm sure there's somebody out there who's trained in this, but if there are cycles or there are, you know, modes of suffering and coming to this, like, I think I've been through a lot of those. I've had moments where I'm walking and I'm having a conversation with the Lord and I'm very angry and I'm, I'm making it very clear to him in no uncertain terms that I, that he has lost my trust, that I am frustrated, I'm angry, and that candidly go to hell. Mm. Um, so I've had those walks in the neighborhood where I'm like, this is the level of hurt and pain and injustice and filling the gaps yeah. is, is about to swallow me up. And where are you? And I've been in that season, you know, for, for a bit. And I've had seasons where I'm like, okay, and the Lord walks me through that and takes me to another place of, okay, let's, let's peel the onion back more. Let's get to a deeper level. What's going on there? Is it, is it me? Is it him? Is it others? Is it all of it combined? And so I think as I sit here today, I think I'm in a good spot with the Lord, I guess. I mean, that's sort of like a hard question to ask. Yeah. Um, uh, I still believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I still believe that God's on his throne. My capacity to live in a world with darker colors is greater and that's produced, I think, a greater compassion and empathy for others, mm-hmm. candidly. Yeah. I think I'm a, a less jerk today than I was two years ago. That's good. And I think that's a, that's a byproduct. I don't think that's the goal, I don't think. I think right. it's a byproduct of all this. And so my walk with the Lord has gone through some ups and some downs, yeah. as it has in, in, in prior seasons. But I would say the peaks and the valleys, maybe not the peaks, the valleys have been deeper this go around. Yeah. I, I want to... I wanna pick on something or, or double click on something you just said there, like that's a byproduct. I'm less of a jerk now. Okay. To use your words there. And, and that's a byproduct. I don't think that was the reason I went through this. Is, is that a mistake you see? Cause uh, let me use this as a confession, not, not try to talk about others here. So I have, when I've gone through hardship, kind of done the, all right, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? And I'm looking for that quick lesson. Oh, you're trying to teach me to be less of a jerk to people. So that's why I'm going through this hard season. Um, that thinking feels faulty in the midst of all of that, right? And it's incomplete. Okay. I think if you were to try and put an umbrella around all of it, I think I would say the Lord uses suffering to increase our faith, which, which would include an increase in dependence. So like I use that term in a really wide sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So suffering increases our dependence. And that certainly is a, is a primary goal of our walk with the Lord is to be less dependent on myself and more dependent on the Lord. Um, it increases my ability to trust him when I'm in the, the boat and the waves are coming over the side. It increases my ability to, in faith, love those who are unlovable, like mm-hmm. I've been unlovable. It increases my faith in a way to deploy resources by faith. So all of that is, I would say, when I use the term increasing your faith, that's a really, I'm using that as a really wide fairway to encompass all that the Lord wants to do. And so being less of a jerk is, is a part of that. Yeah. C.S. Lewis calls it your rebel will. You know, we talked about that earlier. It's like all of us have a really, even as believers, even as a guy that's been walking with the Lord for almost, uh, I guess, just over 30 years, um, I still have a, a, a significant rebel will. Yeah. And and if we, if we ever allow ourselves to be really honest, like at a gut-wrenching level, I think we would find that there are horrific things still in our hearts. I mean, just horrific things horrific, unspeakable things in our heart. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, Paul would say, I think it's First Timothy 1, he's writing to Timothy. So later on in his ministry, and Paul would say that it's a trustworthy saying, Christ came to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. So that's, first of all, that's Paul. I mean, that's not Leventhal, like just <laughs> Dallas guy Leventhal. That's the Apostle Paul, late in his walk with the Lord, saying, I'm the chief of sinners. And that's a present active verb. Hmm. So he's not reflecting on the I was the worst of the sinners. Yeah. No, I am currently older. right now. I am now. currently the chief among sinners. So if that's Paul. Who wrote a lot of our New Testament. Who wrote a lot of our New Testament and who saw the, the risen Christ in person. Yes. So what is middle-aged white guy, slightly overweight Dallas guy? Like what's going on in my heart? Like yeah. it's, it's horrific. <laughs> and, it's, and the reality is it's true for all of us. Yeah. And so part of the suffering is to reduce that rebel will. That's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's one of the outcomes of suffering. Yeah. So you walked into my office today or to the studio here and I, I noticed you had a new tattoo. Yeah. And so read it because I think it's great. It's a quote and it's a quote you just talked yeah. about, right? And so, yeah, so say that. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Problem of Pain, which is an excellent, if you're thinking about like, how do I read more? I would suggest that book and then A Grief Observed, both of them by Lewis. So he wrote The Problem of Pain in 19 in the 40s. And his, one of his lines was that uh, he says that the redemptive effect of suffering lies chiefly in its tendency to reduce the rebel will. And so I read that book again. I've read it a couple times over the last 30 years. I read it again about a year ago. And there was, there was there were really three quotes that have hung with me uh, over the year, and that was one of them. Hmm. And that was the one that, of the three, that's been the one that I keep coming back to the most. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to get that tattooed. So I got that tattooed on my arm this past week. That's good. As a reminder that I have a significant rebel will. Yeah. And so, you know, Lev, when, when the Lord allows things in your life, when the Lord ordains things into your life to, to cut your legs out from underneath you, what he's doing there is he's reducing the effects of sin in your life, the rebel will. And when he does that, I end up becoming more like Christ, which is one of the goals. Yeah. Now, where that would be hard, I think, and, and talk me through this, would be the scenario that you were saying earlier that um, I'm just minding my own business yep. and somebody comes in and takes something. And yeah. it's just like, what? I didn't even ask for this lesson, yeah. right? So mm -hmm. if I'm out there being a bonehead, and I slip and fall and I recognize, I got a rebel will. That kind of makes some sense, right? Like yeah. my brain can handle that one. And so have you had to reconcile some of that? Because I mean, I, I do know a little bit of your story and, and some of these things were a little bit more, um, certainly like with the miscarriages, you were just minding your own business yeah. and some things happened. Yeah, it's, in a, it's in a, a part of living in a broken world mm. and living with broken people around me and, li and me being a broken person. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. I think that the, the downside of that quote is that is what you're saying is like, hey, I'm, I was driving my kids in my minivan and some guy crossed the center line. Yeah. Or um, my, my kid got an illness. And that's still real suffering and brings with it real trauma and uh, real pain and real hurt. And uh, part of the, what the Lord will use through that, candidly, yeah. is to reduce your rebel will. Hmm. Even if that's like, hey, that's not the thing. Right. That's part, that's, that's part of the process is yeah. God's going to use that train wreck in your life and, and the, and the, sometimes the, the hurt that's so deep, you just, you don't even want to get out of bed. You just, you want it to end yeah. everything to end. Yeah. Like that's real. And the Lord wants to ultimately use all of that to increase your faith. Wide fairway, increase your faith. Yeah. So your dependence, he wants to increase your distaste for this world. Hmm. You know, I think most of us, myself included, like we're, we're too enamored by this, this place. I mean, it's just, 
texted somebody last night. I was like, it's 105 here and there are no mountains. And I can't remember why I live in Texas, you know? And so, and so for me right now in July, it's easy for me to be like, man, I really, I can't wait to get to someplace better. Yeah. But I go through most of my life, not with that mentality. Like, this isn't so bad. Yeah. And part of the, part of the byproducts of suffering is like, you begin to get a taste for this world is awful. It doesn't need to be reformed. This world needs to be remade. Right. And that's what the Lord's going to do one day. Yeah. And so all of a sudden now my prayers of come quickly, Lord Jesus, have a new meaning to him. Because I really do want, I'm not waiting for, I'd love to see my kids married. I'd love to see Jesus come back first. Yeah. I'd love to see, fill in the gap with whatever milestone. Yep. um, uh, Would all be awesome. But I would prefer today that the Lord come back in three, two, one. Now. Yeah. That's the thing. Dang it. it That's the thing I long for now more than I ever have. Yeah. Yeah, I can identify with that. And it, what what's hard with that is how how can I like how can I say that but then also in the next breath tell somebody go but I don't think I'm being a pessimist when I say that, right? Or I'm not being overly negative there. Like that just feels like um I can I can be very honest and authentic about that reality. Yeah. And then still choose as as Churchill said to see the opportunity in the midst of every difficulty. I can still choose to present myself to my family as an optimistic leader and to my peers as an optimistic leader and not just give up. I can stay engaged in life. Yeah. I mean, they're not mutually exclusive. Right. right. And so um, uh, it's funny, you know, you're a pessimist or a realist. And, and I, I call myself a realist. Folks who know me would say, yeah, you're a pessimist. <laughs> I think it's just opposite sides of the same coin. It's helpful to have a good grasp of reality. Mm-hmm. And, and, and reality looks like this. This is why you don't judge an artist by one single painting. Mm. You look at the portfolio of the work. And I think when we go through life, we've got to look through the portfolio of what God is doing throughout the world. Yep. And some of what God is doing and allowing is really, really dark. I was in Habakkuk the last couple of mornings. And I was struck this morning by the quandary that Habakkuk, who's asking the Lord, what are you doing? Why, is there, why are you allowing violence and darkness to come in, in Habakkuk's world. It was through the Assyrians. And God's response, and maybe I've read this before and just forgotten about it, or but I was struck by the response. It's like, God says, hey, don't, I'm doing something that you would not believe if, if, if I told you. All right, so the question is, what is he doing? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, here's what he's doing. He's going to raise up another equally wicked nation, the Babylonians, to take out the Assyrians. But the Babylonians are going to do the same thing to the Jews that the Assyrians did. And they're going to exile them out of the land. And so if you're Habakkuk, you're like, so you're telling me the thing that you're going to bring <laughs> to bring relief from the Assyrians is another oppressive regime that's going to have the same level of violence. Like, how is that supposed to make me feel better? Yeah, you wouldn't yet, believe it. <laughs> and yet in, in those darker hues, God's at work. Yeah. But that's not all God's doing. God is also doing tremendous things that we would describe as light. Like there are people coming to faith, there are marriages being restored, there are kids who are being healed from, you know, the the nonsense of this world. There is a lot of bright spots in the world. But if we're going to be honest, you got to look at all the portfolio. You got to take it all. You have to. Really, otherwise you're excellent. Otherwise, your faith it's not well rounded. Yes, yeah, that was the word I was thinking. There was incomplete, or you get what. What we call nowadays, um, and I had this conversation with a group of leaders down in Houston yesterday, toxic optimism or toxic positivity, which is an abdication of of responsibility and leadership. It's not leadership, right, to be so toxically positive that you're refusing to ignore the complete portfolio of what the Lord is doing 
and only focusing on the light or just saying that this is good. So that feels relevant. Um, For some reason, I'm thinking of the Apple TV show We Crashed and Adam Newman with WeWork as a great example of toxic positivity Mm -hmm. where that positivity gone astray. Let's do that. I mean, this is this is uh, really good. And I I think before we go, we need to talk to a few people, right, that are maybe listening. So talk to the 22 year old Adam that um, just read that chapter and man to man and is hearing for the first time that suffering is a part of the Christian experience. Can you give that guy some hope? Well, I mean, I think first of all, anytime we suffer, we are entering into the sufferings of Christ. And that's, if you, if you, if we allow it, and it's not always easy to allow it, but if we will allow it and we, and we ferret suffering back and we just keep following the trail, you end up at the greatest injustice and suffering the, the human world has ever experienced, yep. which is God becoming man, living a perfect life, and being betrayed, gone through a kangaroo court, tortured, hung on a cross next to criminals, dying so that I, Leventhal, jacked up Leventhal, can be restored to God. So mm-hmm. if, if you will allow it, and it's not always easy to allow it, because candidly, sometimes it can sw- you feel like you're getting swallowed up. But it takes you back to the gospel. And so when you're suffering, when 22-year-old Lev is suffering or, or, or looking at a life of the next, hopefully, maybe 50, 60 years, and you're saying, hey, coming your direction is going to be waves and you're going to get punched in the mouth, just like Jesus did, the author and perfecter of your faith. Mm. And so welcome to the family. To say anything other than that would be to be disingenuous. Mm. And, it, and so I think part of it is like, hey, let me set for you the path. And, and the path is narrow. Um and it's going to be hard, um, but Jesus tells you that up front. Mm-hmm. And so it's better to embrace it. And that's why, you know, in First in John, he talks about those who went out, you know, and they weren't of this because they left. And it's like, okay, so if you really think Jesus is who he says he is, then you have to understand that you are entering into the sufferings of Christ. Mm. That's part of the gig. Yeah. And if I tell you anything different than that, I'm giving you an incomplete gospel. Yep. And yes, there's purpose and there's redemption and there's justification. And then there's a life of sanctification, which is really hard. Yeah. And so I would say like, it's not, it's not like all rainbows and unicorns. Yeah. Some of it is. Yeah. You get purpose, you figure out what you're really made for. You're going to make relationships that will be significant in a way you never imagined because yeah. you're not centered around like your hobby or your, your, your drinking buddies, or yeah. you're going to be focused on something that is going to last into eternity. Yep. And if you're going to lock arms with somebody that's worth locking arms with. And so yeah. I would say like, be encouraged and be aware of what scripture teaches about our faith. Yeah. Uh, Excellent answer. Excellent answer. Um, Let's talk to the guy that right now has been through a season, right? And they're maybe going through some of these things and they're, they're feeling alone Hmm. in the midst of it, or even feeling like they may be resonating with some of the things you said, like, I don't know if I'm going to have answers. And maybe they've had some people in their life go, man, I don't know if, if you're faithful. Right. That, that I don't know if Jesus wants you to feel that way or if God wants you to feel that way. Maybe they've had some well-meaning people, yeah. uh, a little bit like Job's friends right now, you know, in their yeah. life. And so they're just conflicted with all of this. What, what would you say to that guy? Um, I would say, one, it's okay. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite sections of Scripture, and I've gone to it a lot lately, is Psalm 103. And um, in, in Psalm 103, it talks about how God is compassionate, loving, He forgives our sins. And it says, um, I'm going to paraphrasing. Like a father has compassion with his children, so the Lord has compassion on us. For he knows our frame. 
which is essentially the psalmist is reminding us, um, God understands that you're just a little bitty human, mm-hmm. the small brain, short attention span. It's like with my, you know, so we've got seven kids and my youngest is seven. And I think I'm finally figuring out that um, in moments when the wheels are flying off with her, it, it may not be active rebellion. Mm-hmm. It could just be that she's tired and she needs a peanut butter sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't get mad at her. I'm like, baby girl, what you need is a PB&J and a nap. And I don't get mad because I understand her frame. Mm. And however long you've been walking with the Lord, one day or 50 years, you're still, we're still weak people. And God's not upset by the guy who's struggling knee deep in suffering. I mean, if you look at the New Testament, if you look at the Gospels, and you look at the people that Jesus really went deep in with, not the disciples, I'm talking about like the, 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 the outside the disciples and the followers. It was the people who were the most downtrodden in society. Hmm. Those who had suffered the most, who were ostracized the most, some of them because of decisions they made themselves, some of them at no fault of their own. And yet, regardless, Jesus comes to them and is all in with them. He's not frustrated with them. He doesn't get frustrated with Mary, who's possessed by seven demons, or the tax collector who's been swindling his brothers out. I mean, and, and now is hated. And so his life's hard because he's hated by his brothers. He goes to him and he, he goes to them equally, you know, the woman at the well. And so mm-hmm. I would say, it, you know, God's not surprised where you are. He's not done with you. It's okay to have moments of, I don't know that I believe God even exists anymore. Mm-hmm. Like God's not, it's not pulled off sides by that right. question. Yeah. He gets it. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the Psalms, you know, and you read some of what David wrote, it's like, I mean, he goes at the Lord hard. And I don't think God's like insecure, mm-hmm. like, golly, I, my rating is dropped. You know, my Yelp rating seems to have yeah. dropped. I don't think <laughs> he's worried about that. My store rating is down right yeah. now. Yeah. He can handle it. And it's okay. It doesn't uh, make it better. That's good. But just know like Romans 8, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's mm. true. Whether you're on the mountain or whether you are walking through the valleys of the shadow of death and not sure you're going to make it out. That's it's still good. true. That's so good. David, man, I've got five or six other questions, <laughs> but we're going to stop right here. So we're going to have to get you to come back. Um, thank you. Yeah, uh, thanks for being vulnerable to share some of your story with us and these insights. And I'm glad you got that tattooed on your arm. It's a good reminder. That's a, that is. That's a great reminder. Yeah. That's scary. You're going to have to look at that every day. <laughs> You're yeah, going to have to look at that idea. every day. And the reality is whether I'm, in, whether I'm in a season of suffering or not. Yeah. Um, and, and there are seasons where, you know, things are, are splendid. Yeah. The reality is is that God's going to bring things into my life, even if they're insignificant, like the traffic jam, the idiot who cuts me off. Yeah, It's going to be a kid that is sharp with me or disrespectful. Like all of that, um, what I would call non-suffering, just living life, is meant is, is going to be meant to make me less like David and make me more like Jesus. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I would agree. Things. I would agree. All right, brother. Thanks so much. Yeah, man. Well, David, thanks so much for coming on the Better Man Podcast. Again, just so great to visit with you. And uh, somebody who's been a friend of yours and watched you over the last few years, um, you've been a great example. And so I'm grateful that you spent some time with us here on the Better Man Podcast and sharing your wisdom with our listeners. And, you know, one of the thoughts that went through my mind when I go through whatever you want to call it, suffering, hardship, obstacles, uh, difficult times, whatever it is, I just know it's great to not be alone and have some other guys around you that can help you just to lament with you, to encourage you, to help with perspectives. And so if you're sitting there and just going, I don't have anybody, um, let us help you with that. I mean, this is part of what Better Man exists to do is to help connect men 
to other great relationships with like-minded men who want to grow in their relationship with God and be the man that God wants them to be. So if there's anything we can do to help you with that, hit us up, go over to our website at betterman.com. And we would love to try to connect with you and help you get connected to others. So uh, that's all we got for today on the Better Man podcast. And we will talk to you all next week.